I don't think you go to school to be a therapist. I think you, you're born as one. Behind the scenes, what are we as therapists talking about? The idea isn't what you do, but why do you do it? The why is almost always more interesting than the what. That's the unsaid thing. Oh, I'm saying it. <laughs> I'm going there. So what do y'all think? You want to start with some introductions or tell people what, what we're doing here? I kick this thing off. I'm Dr. Johnny Pierce. Don't call me doctor. I'm with the Insight team. Been here about two years now. Been doing this podcast thing for this year. And today, I'm looking forward to highlighting how kids are not kickstands. All right. Johnny hits him with the teaser. Look at you. <laughs> uh, professional. Off the bat. <laughs> uh, Craig James, uh, licensed clinical social worker, licensed substance abuse treatment practitioner, and master of addiction counseling. Uh, founding partner of Insight into Action Therapy. And um, I, too, am ready to kick this off and have some fun. Gosh. Some <laughs> impressive credentials for Craig James. Uh, Matt Christian, um, also a licensed clinical social worker and therapist at, uh, at Insight into Action Therapy. That's pretty much it. Yeah. All right. I'm trying to think of something to make it sound better, but that's... That's that works. That's who we are. That's who you are. Cool. What do y'all think in terms of why we're doing this podcast? Uh, I think the podcast had to happen. We've had way too many team meetings, way too many Matt chats had to do it. We've had too many of them that centered around this topic, centered around various clinical things, and it's obvious that we got some thoughts to share. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To me, it, we're all in a profession for different reasons. Um I don't think you go to school to be a therapist. I think you, you're born as one. Um, I think the podcast for me had to happen because the three of us, if not our entire team, sit on so much information. And it's, I think it's a shame not to give it away. Mm. Uh, I think it's a way to protect the community, protect society, protect the profession. Mm. Um, we see a lot of folks who show up who are just trying to figure it out. And if this is a way to help them figure it out, to make sense of what they're doing or not doing or struggling with, why not just give it away and figure out what, you know, how do we help people and help what we all do uh, professionally? Yeah, no, I, I definitely second that. And like you were saying, Johnny, we have these team meetings and just like in the hallways or between clients where we have these conversations and letting people see kind of behind the scenes mm -hmm. what like us as therapists are talking about and, you know, a lot of it's just like joking around, messing around, kind of the the gallows humor of uh, you know some of the work we do is pretty heavy, but yeah. but letting people yeah behind the behind the curtain a little bit and see like what what are we as therapists talking about when we're all getting together right too, which I think you know could be an interesting thing. Oh, definitely, <laughs> yeah. oh, it's interesting. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we yeah. at least find ourselves interesting. Oh mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we laugh at one another and laugh at ourselves. That's the way to go. So one thing that I know we've all talked about something we've seen. Uh, in our practice and, and with working with clients, with young people, with parents is, and I know Craig, something you've touched on a lot is this idea of overindulgence, mm -hmm. which might seem like a weird, uh, I don't know, concept. Like, what do you mean? Like we're to be doing too much as a parent. Mm -hmm. What's y'all's initial thought about that? For me, it happened uh, probably 15, 20 years ago. I went to a, a, a training uh, Dr. Fogarty was his name, and he brought up the topic and talked a lot about it. And one of the stats he threw out that threw me for a loop was he said in America, 
He said, on average, the average American kid gets like 300 some plus toys a year. And I'm like, huh? And he broke it down. He says, well, let's, we, we know about Christmas. We yeah. know about birthdays. Yep. He said, your kids go to somebody else's birthday party. He said, what about the Happy Meals at McDonald's? What about the stickers? And he laid it all out. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And it had me rethink, why are we doing this? And he went into some of that, but then when you come back to the practice and you're looking and talking with parents about what's the purpose, um, and and with that idea of indulgence, it's really two definitions: um, giving as a replacement, mm-hmm. and the other one is too much too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, I think I understand why parents do what they do. Yeah, I think I understand, but you have to. We ask. Because we need to understand, because my definition, your definition may not be the same, but right. the indulgence aspect, it, it's its there, it's present, we see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all, all of us are guilty for it at points here or there. Um, as we all look at, you know, therapeutically, the idea isn't what you do, but why do you do it? So. Mm. Yeah, the why behind the what. The, I say the why is almost always more interesting than the what, mm-hmm. because when you just look at the outcome, you just look at the results, you're going to come up with your own explanation for how that came to be. Right. But when you start to ask about intention and goals and get some deeper understanding as to why the person's moving the way they're moving, that's where the work can actually happen. Mm-hmm. Because you might learn from them that they got a goal or they're trying to accomplish something that can be accomplished in so many different ways that don't have the same consequences. Mm-hmm. The goal itself may be very healthy. Uh, I think parents wanting to show their children love or make them feel special, there's nothing wrong with that goal. That's very healthy. But the how you go about doing it can create little monsters. Yeah. Mm. And then eventually become adults who aren't capable of really connecting with others and contributing to society in a way that they would ordinarily be able to because they haven't learned discipline. They haven't learned no. They haven't learned delayed gratification. Like these Mm -hmm. things just aren't taught. And then there's like, surprise, surprise, this person's having challenges around these issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the, the framing, too, of um, a book. A book, actually, we were, we were reading and talking about uh, Jonathan Haidt's book, the, the Coddling of the American Mind. Man, what a good book. And I'm trying to think of what, like, the, the subtitle was of it. It was something about, like, basically it's saying how good intentions go wrong. Right. Set a generation up for failure. I don't remember the exact wording of it, but... But they had this framing that I really liked where um, and, and this analogy of certain things that are fragile, like a, a glass, mm-hmm. you know, that where it gets knocked off the counter and it breaks. It's not getting any better. It's just messed up. It right. just breaks. And then the next one being a, a plastic cup, something that's resilient, that it gets knocked off. It doesn't break. It can take a beating. It can keep on going. But the getting knocked off doesn't make it better in any way. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the last one with like, you know, obviously the idea or implication being that our children are like this is to be anti-fragile. And he uses the, uh, the, the metaphor, the analogy of the immune system Mm -hmm. where it needs that information Mm -hmm. to get stronger. Mm -hmm. Right. It needs the challenges to get stronger. I like that framing of it because it it gets to the question of, and I want to hear what y'all think of why, why is this a problem even? Like, what is the downside specifically of this overindulgence, lack of structure, this kind of thing? That book was so good. I'm so glad. We've actually got a team 
book club. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Katie. Good job putting mm -hmm. that together, Katie. Uh, that book for me, the thing that I've actually talked about most in sessions is the the story told about how butterflies, when they're coming out of the cocoon, mm -hmm. if you actually attempt to help them, so you you open up the cocoon prematurely or you see them struggling to get out and you you clip it in some way, they can't fly. Mm -hmm. They don't get the strength they need to be able to fly because they don't deal with the adversity they need to get out of the cocoon. And I, th I think he started a chapter with the saying, you know, don't clear the path for the child, prepare the child for the path. Yeah. Mm. I've been I using like that, those. Yeah. I've been using both of those because too often, if you don't have that adversity, then when it strikes and it naturally will, stress is a part of life. If we don't have it, we don't exist. We don't live. If you don't ever get to deal with it until it's, this big stress, mm -hmm. then you just get overwhelmed by it. Well, I think what we're talking about is from a parenting standpoint and the parents we see, why is adversity a bad thing? To be avoided or whatever right. it might be. Why, why avoid it? Because you as a parent had to go through it. Had to. However you dealt with family of origin challenges, you came out. Have you dealt with it since, you know, you came out, of, you, you made it through it as an adult. You're here, you have kids. You figured it out. Right. How about we allow our kids to figure it out? Mm. I, I remember a couple of years ago, um, the term was always used, my kid is smart, my kid is smart. And I would go, well, two thoughts. One, is smart the new average? Because <laughs> everybody said their kid was smart, and I didn't know what it meant. But the other part is, when you say they're smart, what if they just have a natural affinity for that subject, that thing? That doesn't make them smart. That's a gift. That's their blessing, whatever you want to call it. Let's not over entitle overindulge something that just may be natural let him go that's figure it, that's it out that's an interesting point yeah see yeah. more what you mean by that if not overindulging something that might be a natural talent i i, I remember talking to one parent their, their son um, he was really good at anything he started right but when it required the work to get to the next level no perseverance no perseverance and so um and they put him in different sports he was always a really just naturally gifted early on Mm -hmm. but he would never get to the next level because he didn't have to work at it because he didn't know how to, because he doesn't, wasn't required to. Mm -hmm. Right. I often, I'm a big fan of, of looking at sports as, as, as a really microcosm or metaphor for life. Yeah. How do you figure things out? Uh, I remember a young man I used to work with years ago, loved baseball, but had academic struggles. And so his whole thing was, you know, he couldn't hit a curveball, but mm -hmm. he had to learn how to hit a curveball. Right. Mm -hmm. So when it came to academics, the challenge we would always say is, how do you hit a curveball? So you have to apply that mindset, that attitude, that perseverance. Mm. Just because it doesn't come easy doesn't mean you don't know how to. Oh, my goodness. What are you willing to do to get to the next level? Mm. Right? And I think that's the piece that I think, you know, parents often talk about, I want my kid to be successful. First of all, I don't know what that means. I want them to be happy. <laughs> is that what right because we what's we the goal what's, what's the, the goal, goal? And, and how do you if you own it what's theirs and so you know mm -hmm. it used to be years ago and it still remains to this day they got to go to a good college and like okay and they have to have a good gpa and i'm always asking parents when was the last time somebody asked you about your gpa mm -hmm. they, don't it matters. Degrees. they don't print them on degrees right. the last person who graduated from middle school is still called a doctor. doctor. <laughs> so <laughs> the idea of, back to your question, how do we teach people and allow people to figure it out? 
mm-hmm. right? How do you go deeper? What does it mean to go deeper? You're going to have some setbacks. Okay. Expected setbacks. I think that that piece is often lost. If we look at it as though it's expected, there will be challenges. There will be hurdles. These things are supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Then it's seen as, you know, you talked about being natural. It's seen as being natural. It's seen as being a part of the process versus this, how can we avoid this, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. There are extreme situations. Some childhood trauma can be avoided. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, natural resource loss or absence mm-hmm. of resources, that can be avoided. Right. But most people have to deal with some social challenges. They just they go into social situations. They're not quite sure how to figure it out. They have to go through that process of figuring it out. It's the, the butterfly strengthening his wings to break out of the cocoon. Mm-hmm. Um, most people have to change locations and figure out how to transition at some point in time. Mm-hmm. That's going to be important. Even if you stayed in the same community the whole your life, you got to go from one school to another. Mm-hmm. You got to step up whatever participation you're doing in, in a sport mm-hmm. in some kind of activity with your friends. Those things require transitions. We don't prepare you for transitions. Then you get to the next stop and you don't know what to do. You yeah. forgot everything from the previous one. Right. Yeah. And I know when we've talked about it with people or given presentations about this one or talked about it with people in general, pushback is like, you know, you just want, well, should I just let my kids suffer or create like the more suffering I create for my kids? Should I give him all these hard, you know, hard experiences? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the thing is like life will give that to them. Like we don't need a manufacturer no. suffering for our kids <laughs> or for any of us. And so it's a matter of how how do we relate to the kids when this happens? Right. Are we trying to make their pain, take their pain from them mm-hmm. rather than supporting them with the pain? Mm-hmm. Giving the pain some value. And if we are doing that, looking at why, mm-hmm. kind of the why question you were asking. Right. And very often, and this isn't, this is very understandable. This isn't meant as like some huge critique or to like dump on, you know, parents or something, but looking at it in the sense of a lot of times is we're trying to make our own discomfort go away. The discomfort we feel seeing our kids struggle in some way. Yes, yes, yes. You know, so it's like, I got to take that away from them to calm this anxiety. It's, it's bringing up in me. Right. And, or the other big one being, I don't want them to experience the things that were hard in my childhood. Right. So they're like trying to heal myself through the kids. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's another one. That I, I happen to be a parent. I'm a very proud father of two girls. I got a nine-year-old and a three-year-old. And I am so glad that I did not enter my nine-year-old's life until she was five and did not have my three-year-old until I was into my 30s. Mm-hmm. Because had I had any child prior to the age of 30, I would have attempted to work out my own father issues being a father. I would have attempted to be the father to my child that I never had, which makes absolutely no sense because my child was not me. They did not have the context of my trauma to deal with, to understand why are you, why are you being this way? It's been my challenge and it's been my joy to learn my daughters for the people they are and their challenges so that I can be a father to them Versus yeah. trying to work out my own stuff. Well, I think you, the, the idea of giving as a replacement, right? If you're not ready, you're not ready. But what am I trying to, similar to Matt's point, the dis, the disconnect or the frustrations I've had as a parent, as, when I was a parent as a child, what did I not settle on? What did I not address? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so since I can't figure it out or I didn't figure out how to work through stuff and I was uncomfortable, 
let me take the discomfort from my kid. I often look at it as you're robbing your child of a chance to figure mm-hmm. it out. Right. Right. Because right? guess what? They will. Like, oftentimes, I find it children, and when I say children, I mean kids and teens are much more resilient than some adults. Mm-hmm. But we don't let them develop it because of our own whatever it is that we're struggling with, right? It's right. it's how do you make sense of your own behavior? I'll talk about riding bikes. If you think mm-hmm. about riding bikes, there's an anticipation that the child's going to fall off the bike. And that child's desire to learn to ride the bike is more impressive than their fear of falling off the bike. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, you encourage that. But for whatever reason, somewhere in our late teens, maybe early 20s, we as adults, we forget that lesson that came from falling off the bike that you get back up because getting back up gets you closer to the the goal. It gets you to the place that you want to be. Yeah, you get some bumps along the way, but you ultimately can pull it off. Mm-hmm. And reminding people in our work that we do, whether it's individuals or couples or, or anybody that we work with, that at one point in time, that was you. Mm-hmm. You got back on the bike. Mm-hmm. It's a scooter. <laughs> Might be a scooter. But you got back on the bike, you got back on the scooter, you got back up and you tried again. Adulthood can sometimes work that out of us in a way that, like you said, the kid just doesn't have that trauma yet, doesn't have those struggles, doesn't have that got kicked down too many times yet. So they keep getting up. Mm-hmm. And if we don't lose that as adults, and if we, if we encourage that in our children, what can they what can they withstand? Well, you said something I think that's interesting that comes up has come up a lot recently, the the trauma word, right? Oh man, the T word, and, and, big T, and, little and T. I, I think <laughs> I think there's value in it. Yeah, but I often find is what we're identifying a trauma, a life experience, mm-hmm. right? How do you discern the the two? Oh my, he had a trauma. What what if it was a life experience? Because in the, because when you label it or when it has been labeled a trauma. Well intended or not, are we creating, for lack of a better word, victims? Whereas life experience is overcoming. It's surviving, it's overcoming, very different jargon. And if, because it also affects the, the, the nervous system, central nervous system, mm-hmm. dopamine, right? Um, it, how, dopamine and uh, cortisol, right? So those levels are affected based on how we engage and how we go through something. So it's, I mean, we're talking about a lot of different things here, Oh yeah. but that, that trauma word comes up so much. And perception ends up being a part of it because our system is looking to discern, am I in danger or not? Mm -hmm. A challenge is not a threat. No. A challenge is something you overcome. A threat is something you avoid. So y'all think that we've expanded the idea of trauma too much in ways that. Think about what you see. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think that's the case, in a, a bit of an overcorrection because it wasn't acknowledged. Like it's so, it's been so impactful, and it's been so much kind of the elephant in the room that hasn't been addressed for a long time in in mental health care, mm-hmm. right? And understanding what's going on with people. That I, I do actually think there's been a bit of an overcorrection where we're trying to frame everything as trauma and looking at it as therapists. Are we are we putting that on people? But you know, by pushing that, mm-hmm. that story. Mm-hmm. So much of our experiences, the stories we're telling ourselves about what we're experiencing too. So yeah, I think. I like the I think correction. So. I think oh, that yeah. makes Without a lot doubt. of sense. Yeah. Without a doubt. But I don't think it's just us. I think that it's something that 
you know, we got we got a rise in life coaches. We got this person mm-hmm. who's a guru yeah. and that person who's a guru. We got a lot of people on TV. I think that it's become profitable to mm-hmm. encourage people to see themselves as sick, to see mm-hmm. themselves as damaged, as needing to be repaired or healed. It's not to say that people don't have healing to do. It's not to say that they haven't got bumps and bruises. But I think that if we make victims of people, mm-hmm. we stay in business. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to come back week after week. You're going to tune in week after week. You're going to listen to the podcast week after week because mm-hmm. you have to, because mm-hmm. you have to get guidance to an extreme degree. I might take back what I said about the trauma. I didn't realize it was going to affect the bottom line of this podcast. If it's good for the podcast, we'll <laughs> Well, yeah, man. But but that's I, I think that we are all drawn towards that, that we, we tend to go from one extreme to another. So we minimize things because it's easier to deal with that in the moment. I don't want to have to face this. I don't want to have to figure this out with you as my child or as my friend, as my partner. But then we go so far to the language changing that any discomfort, any misfortune, any setback, any unexpected or even sometimes expected things that don't go well, Mm -hmm. now it must be in this category. You know, we may distinguish it with the little T or the big T. But what are we framing it as and how are we encouraging people to navigate these things when mm-hmm. we do that? Yeah. Yeah. And is it done in a way that's disempowering or empowering? Right. Mm-hmm. Is it something where I'm now fundamentally fl- flawed or yes. injured or hurt? And, and I mean, there's, I mean, trauma is, I'm going to say this even, but trauma is obviously a very real thing. And there's certain traumas that have mm-hmm. very profound impacts on their life. Clearly. And going back to what we're talking about with uh, the overindulgence and the the immune system analogy, that it's not like a kid getting any kind of sickness is a good thing for their immune system or their health. Right. Mm-hmm. There's certain things we, we do not want our kid and- to get, and there's certain experiences that are not going to build resilience or anti fragility. Right. Like ab- I mean, abuse or neglect right. or lack of attachment with the parent. Like this isn't helping the kid, you know. And, so it's about. I mean, it, yeah, well, common I sense. It's a matter of degree. And made. Yeah, I think yeah. that distinction needs to be made. And of course, the question then becomes, who gets to make that distinction? Uh, I think about when I do an evaluation and I'm talking to a person. I ask them the trauma question because you got to ask about trauma and evaluation. Otherwise, you're not doing therapy. And I, I make it clear, I'm not the one who's going to tell you what trauma is in your life. Mm-hmm. I'm learning from you what you yeah. quantify as trauma or experience as trauma. So then when I ask the person, they think a little bit differently about it because therapists have been the ones, you know, the, the clinician has been the one, the, the, the helper has been the one to say, you're sick and it's because of this. You're, mm-hmm. You've been traumatized and it's because of this. No, 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 no. You have a better knowledge of yourself than I could ever have. Right. You could tell me your whole life story and I could sit with you day after day and I will never know mm-hmm. you in the way you do. Mm-hmm. Re, re-encouraging people to believe that they have that knowledge about self. And it starts young. Mm-hmm. It starts young. You can do that with children so that they can see themselves as being able to evaluate themselves, be aware of themselves, distinguish situations. Well, because I think that's how we grow. I mean, if we think about indulgence, right? We were saying earlier how adversity, you know, finding the parent who takes away the adversity, a bad experience does not mean a bad life. Nope. Mm. It's just an experience. Like the idea of I had a bad day. Did you have a bad day? Did you have a bad moment? Because mm. one moment can lead to two or one moment can just be one moment. It doesn't have to be a bad day. How do you bounce back? How do you, re- right. How do you recover? How do you have resilience? And so the, the indulged parent 
is taking away that experience that really the the child needs. And it, and I say child, I'm not just talking, you know, elementary school age. I'm talking middle school and high school. Adult children as well. Okay. We go, <laughs> let's, let's go there. We do get some of those. I'm going to buy your house for you. I'm going to pay for your wedding. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Maybe you won't value it as much if my resources are the one that got expended on it. Mm-hmm. Because you didn't have to save for it. You didn't have to put away for it. You didn't right. have to invest in you. Because I think that's ultimately what the idea of, you know, one of the belief systems is when it, when we work with parents indulging kids, if we take it away, they'll be successful. If we solve this, they'll get that. Well, I can solve this problem for you, but all it does is give you another set of problems to endure. Mm-hmm. I think when you go through something, it teaches you that you have the skills to deal with it, not looking at the outcome, but the process, because you're going to have some other adversity, some other challenges. You did it before. Let's try it again. It may be as effective or it may not be, but you now know that you can become, and I think the word is self-reliant. Mm. We're teaching self-reliance as as parents, as adults to those children so that they can figure it out. They can move it, pay, pay it forward, so to speak. Mm. Yeah. And that's what y'all are talking about is one outcome of the overindulgence can be this failure to launch yeah. thing that we see. This was a great you know, book, apparently. Mm. I've heard about it with almost every 20-something client. Failure parent, to launch? I've yes, never read it. Yes, I haven't read it. But yeah. their their parents in the email or in the phone call, yeah, right. I just read this book, Failure to Launch, and I really think that my mm-hmm. son or my daughter needs to see you so that they can, and it's just like, but yeah. you read the book. <laughs> but do you but see you're calling your to set up the, the appointment for your, 30, <laughs> for your 30-year-old son. Yeah, yeah. Do you see your role? Yeah. You contributed. Yeah. Well, because you, you don't, I mean, part of that is the, the question that I will pose, I think we've all posed it, what is your tolerance for your child's distress? Mm. Right? Because your kid's going to have some. Can you sit, can you just sit and wait, Mm. right? Hey, your kid didn't do well in school. Mm -hmm. Hey, your kid didn't do well on the sports team. Hey, your kid didn't do well in debate club. They didn't get first chair in the string. How do you sit with it? Mm. What is your tolerance for your child's distress? And I get it. I mean, I get it just with a loved one and any any loved Mm -hmm. one, anyone you care about. It sucks. (laughs) It's not easy. And always have at least me, always the impulse of, how do I make this better? How do I yeah. make this better? Yeah, this. Yeah. But the trophy better. thing, because Craig, you've talked about this a number of times, and it made it clear to me. Matt and I sat down and talked about the podcast and talked about ideas for topics. This was the top topic because it comes up so often. But you talked about the trophies, seeing the children as trophies. So when the kid gets the second, mm. seat, when the kid isn't the starter on the mm. football team, what does it do to your ego? That's, what does it do to you? That's the that's the unsaid thing that. Oh, I'm saying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going there. Yeah, yeah. But even beyond that, if I value my child based on the trophy that they become, then when they don't achieve trophyhood, how do I treat the child? Mm-hmm. How does the child respond to that? Because they see the disappointment. Mm-hmm. It's not even their own disappointment. They might struggle with. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad don't love me the same when I'm not the top. It's so I'm a parent of one. And I remember when I knew my son is lacrosse, his sport is lacrosse. And so he played first few years and I just wasn't 100% sure where he was. And they were playing in a tournament and it was the last game of the season they lost and he cried. And it was at that moment I knew 
the failure is what he needed. The struggle is what he needed. And the next season, he came out better. Mm. Um, I remember watching him try. What did you do when he was crying that way? Because it's getting out to it. Yeah. No. How did you respond? Yeah. How did you respond to him crying? Honestly, I just I remember we were walking, we were walking off the field and he was upset. And I just walked behind him. And we got in the car and I said, Hey, I'm sorry, right? That can't feel good. But your tears are telling me something, right? I know, to me, I think I know what this means. My friends, I didn't want to lose. I said, I get it. Um, What do you need to do with this? Uh, What do you want to do with this? That's the line right there. Because I just got him a T-shirt that says, what is it? uh, I never lose. I either win or I learn. Mm -hmm. So it was really, what do you want to do with this? And we had a, a years later, he tried out for a team, didn't make the team, was upset. And I go, I mean, just fears crying, just in the thing. I said, okay. I said, well, you weren't ready. And I knew you weren't. Why didn't you tell me? I said, champ, you needed to feel this. This was yours, right? I, I'm here with you, but this was yours. You'll figure it out. And I'm here when you need it. At a certain point, I'm not parenting you more. I got to give guidance. Right. And so he's at a point now in his life where it's guidance, but it was, what do you want to do with what you feel? That's mm-hmm. what we did. Mm-hmm. I mean, I ain't a great parent. I mean, I'm figuring it mm-hmm. out like the rest of us. I, tell I just have those moments. All mm-hmm. the time. I'm, I am learning every day mm-hmm. how to be your dad, how yeah. to be a better version of your dad. Mm-hmm. The lesson don't stop. I don't expect to get to a point where I feel like I got it down. It's okay. You're learning how to live this thing called life and I'm learning how to help you yeah. live this thing called life. Yeah, there's no perfect way to no. to be parenting these kids. But you did ask a question, what do you do with it, right? Because that's the thing that we see with parents of teens. Kid is having some adversity. Okay, we know you took action. What did you do? Why did you do that? Right? I understood why I did what I did with my son. But we ask it to parents all the time. Excuse me. And a lot of it is um, it's emotionally driven. Mm. Do you as the parent, as the is the is the adult, as the person with wisdom and experience, do you understand the emotion that's driving your behavior? Mm. Yeah. You mentioned perspective. That's the one leg up yeah. that we have as parents, as adults. We're supposed to have the perspective of time. A child's mind doesn't process time the same way an adult's mind does. Uh, if we don't use that, that resource, we find ourselves sitting in the same boat. Mm-hmm. And at that point, they may have to start taking care of us. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we might be the one breaking down in the tears and, and nothing wrong with crying, by the way. It's okay to cry. Men, women, children, everybody needs a good cry every now and then. But if we're in the same boat, we're not offering much. We're not bringing much to the table as the parent, right. as the adult. So, yeah, the perspective of time is, is our leg up. Mm-hmm. We've, lived a, we've lived a little bit. We've gone through some things. The way that you said to your son, what do you want to do with this? That's that's you can only say that because you know there's an after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one one thing when talking to parents, I'll I'll encourage them is to ask the question, does this need to be dealt with now? Mm. Almost always it's something that there's exceptions, but almost always it's something that can be come back to. You know, you mm-hmm. can come back to. Mm-hmm. In the sense of being able to like regulate ourselves. Yeah, no snap decision has to be made. Wait to the ki- let the kid regulate themselves, and then come back to it. 
and talk about it, figure out with you know your spouse, whatever it may be, these are the consequences, this is how we're gonna do it, or this is how we're gonna you know work with or support mm -hmm. the, the, the kid. But it goes back to that self-regulation piece, which can be tough and how do we take care of ourselves? Yes. Where do we go for support? Like you're talking about sometimes there'll be this situation where we'll go to support to the kid mm -hmm. or uh, and with the overindulgence one, one piece with it as well is like they're involved with so much stuff there's so much focus on the kid which is a beautiful thing and better than the opposite you know we're not talking about the opposite end of things where again kids are, aren't getting what they're not you know right. what neglected, they need they're neglected or whatever harmed anything of that sort and I don't know if this is something that you all see too but where for me I think sometimes the parents sacrifice too much of their relationship with each other where it's like it, it they no longer have much of a relationship it's just like this business oh yeah take care of the kids enterprise and make money enterprise which i, I don't think is good for the family unit and the kid i think it's, we need to look at it as a system and your kid will be better off, mm -hmm. better served if you all are in a good place. And what are we modeling for our kids? And stuff? So, well, I think what you're speaking to, two pieces, the awareness of each individual, mm -hmm. like the parents to understand what's going on for them. But then I think the other piece is the relationship dynamic. How do mm -hmm. we function in this? Because we probably haven't, the idea of dating, it's cool. Engage, it's cool. Marriage, it's cool. Having kids, sounds like a great idea. But we, we've we never done it before. Or we have and it worked out or it didn't work out. Or it sometimes it's too outcome focused where, look, you're not going to get it right. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, if each of us comes to a relationship with our own baggage, I, I like to sometimes look at the idea of Christmas, right? So the idea being how you did Christmas at your house. Maybe we opened gifts on Christmas Eve. Maybe we did gifts on Christmas Day. Maybe family came over. It's not that one was right or wrong. It's just how I did it. Right. So I bring to my relationship my traditions. You bring yours. Mm -hmm. And then we create our traditions. But we only create them by that talking. so key. It gets mm -hmm. overlooked so often. Mm -hmm. It becomes Which a part? tug of war. It becomes a tug of war. So we did it this way. And I did it this way. Well, let's do it my way. Or let's do it your way. Mm -hmm. And it becomes this trade-off. I see. Yeah, yeah. It becomes this trade-off instead of mm -hmm. what do we want to create? Mm -hmm. What do we want to bring? How do we want to melt it together? Yeah. Or do we want to have something totally different? Right. And if those options aren't put on the table, if that conversation doesn't happen, that's when you get the battle over who's going to whose in-laws, mm -hmm. how long are the in-laws staying, mm -hmm. what, what do we have to play up when such and such is here versus when they're not that's when those battles happen because it's not seen as we have become a family unit that we're creating. We're seen as just the extensions of the families we, we came, came from. from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which then shows up in our parenting style. So what would you, if we had to finish up with giving some practical tips or advice, Yeah. what would it be? So, so the insightful thought I would suggest or I would offer, process over outcome. I think the process, if anything, is is where you find out who you are, what you're dealing with. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, because that's where you learn. The outcome is what it's going to be. Uh, if you if you focus too much on the outcome, you miss everything you learn. So my my insightful suggestion would be process over outcome. Mm. 
I think to pick up on that, with the child, with a peer, with a, a partner, whomever, you got to value the person. Okay. Goals are great. I love goals. A big part of the work I do. But you got to value the person. Mm -hmm. Learn who your child is. Learn what your child is skilled at. Learn where your child struggles. But don't take those struggles away from your child. Help them learn how to overcome those struggles because that's going to further their character. Mm -hmm. That's going to help them become the person. We don't, I don't think we evolve in a way where we get rid of things or we, we pick up things to, to put them on ourselves to make us who we are. I think we reveal. I think we're always there. You got a heart of gold, you got a heart of gold. It may not be shining right now, but as time goes on, it will be revealed. Yeah. But you got to let those things come in the path in order to see who your child is and let them reveal themselves. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. For me, looking at how do we empower the kids? And when it comes to limitations, consequences, structure, how do we use that in a way that is empowering to the kid? So having clear uh, guidelines, consequences, that the kid is aware of ahead of time yeah. and that makes sense. And we need to implement it with a sense of consistency mm -hmm. as well, which is really important. Mm -hmm. um, but then when that's in place, mm -hmm. and there's that kind of consistency, empowering them to make choices. Yeah. Like, okay, here's the, here is the path to get the things that you are looking for that you want. And this is what happens in the other way, but framing in a way is not of like, okay, I'm coming in and, you know, with this heavy hand to this draconian thing, and I'm going to show you and, you know, like I'm the police or something. Mm -hmm. But here are the choices you can make. How can I support you to make mm -hmm. the better choices? Something more in that vein. Yeah. And then working with our own reactivity mm -hmm. as well. Yes. And how are we taking care of ourselves? Mm -hmm. Taking some time to reflect of, like you were saying before, of why, what am I trying to get by doing this thing with my kid? Mm -hmm. What am I trying to achieve because I see this pattern a lot of times where parents will come in and they have their kid that's doing this certain behavior that is maladaptive that they don't like mm -hmm. gotta stop I get why they don't like it too right it'll happen whatever the behavior is the parents will be very emotionally reactive maybe they're screaming there's yelling there's fighting about it but then in the end they still the kid still gets what they want oh yeah mm -hmm. so it's really the opposite of what we're looking at we're promoting the dysregulation and reinforcing the behavior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think the two, you know, coming back to it, having the structure in a way that empowers the kids and figuring out and dealing with our own reactivity and our own well-being. You don't want to play and, minesweeper. And, and the <laughs> willingness to, once you have the structure, the willingness to follow through and stick right, with, with it. the consequence of whatever it is you said you were mm -hmm. going to do. Right, don't send out veil. I'm gonna do this if you do that. Okay, they did it. They're waiting. So consistent, predictable, and fair. Right, mm -hmm. and with what you're adding, you're saying I want to add all of that creates safety. That's right, most definitely. That's oh, right. Great. It's just safety. Mm -hmm. You give guardrails. You need them. You gotta mm -hmm. have them. Gotta yeah, have them. in ways that are age appropriate, and mm -hmm. and that's how kids learn to regulate themselves. That's a big part of it too, of bumping up against this limitation, and then. They have to, as long as there's the consistency with it, 
then they have to figure out a way to calm themselves down right. or whatever it may be to regulate their behavior. And that's that's a big part of it and something that we can't just give them no. or tell them in yeah. and of itself. Yeah. Co-collab collaborate with your children, be willing to work with them, take the lead when it's clear that as an adult you need to take the lead. Yeah. But yes, you you want to develop those skills. You can't develop those skills if you do all the work. Right. Can't do it. Do want to acknowledge and thank Young Life, uh, Wiley Scott, for allowing us to use their room mm -hmm. to facilitate this podcast. So appreciate, appreciate you. it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Couldn't have done it without you. Yes. All right.